Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast, which focuses on work-life balance. I'm Lori Tenney, Director of Strategic Content for Meetings Today, and we're joined by Deb G, Experienced Design Lead for Lululemon, as well as an educator and speaker on wellness for meetings and events, and Nova Browning-Rutherford, a mental health and mindfulness facilitator, keynote speaker, personal development coach, and media personality, particularly as wellness expert on CTV's The Social in Canada. Welcome, Deb and Nova, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me. Hi, Lori. Thanks. This is great. Thank you, guys. So work-life balance, it's an important topic for everyone, and for planners in particular who seem to have a million tasks they're constantly juggling as part of orchestrating meetings and events. Uh, in fact, CareerCast, as we all know, puts out a list of the most stressful jobs every year. An event coordinator, aka meeting planner, consistently ranks in the top 10, right along with high-stress occupations like police officer, airline pilot, and firefighter. So today, we'll be discussing the importance of work-life balance and some tips and tools to better achieve it with our two experts. So let's just kick it off by if each of you want to just kind of define what work-life balance is and, and why it is so different for everyone. You want to take that, Deb? You, you got it. I would say um, it's different for everyone because really the pace and the pressures of work and of, of life, they're always going to vary. And so to me, like the, the word balance just kind of makes me itchy because balance suggests that these two things are opposite and then they need to measure out equally. And then, you know, when that happens, give me a call when life and work become 50-50, because we know that there's high and low seasons in weeks of work, and there's constants in life, and then there's always surprises, be it from yourself or from others. And so knowing that the work and life, the, the flow of it and the pressure of it and the pr prioritizing, it's always going to be changing. I really feel that accepting that fact can lead to a lot less guilt, increase your flexibility reprioritizing what's important right now and then setting boundaries in order to achieve that. And what I would, what I would add to that too is, you know, when I hear you say that it, the itchy part, it's, it's so interesting because I think it's something that everyone's ultimately trying to achieve, but it's something that's so, um, it's not prioritized. And the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about Lori, pertains to how stressful this, this role is if you're in events and meeting and meeting planning. Um, it, it's all based on scheduling. It's all based on timelines. And so I'd say the first thing that comes to my mind when we bring up this topic is schedule it. You know, like I'm jumping right into the house, but the first thing that falls off of our schedule when we get busy is our self-care and is our, mean, our me time. And that's where I do think there, there constantly exists this, um, this imbalance and this struggle to try to, to right side it. And it's all almost like chasing a dragon. It's like, we're constantly trying to uh, find ways and, and, and methods to, you know, balance and inject our schedule with things that are going to make us feel more human and more whole or more balanced as we say, whether that's working out or whether that's, you know, going on a lunch break, what have you. Um, and yet those are the things that fall off our schedule first and foremost when we're, when we're pinched for time. So it's quite interesting how it's this sort of elusive thing that we're constantly chasing. 
Right. And so why is work-life balance so essential in, in general nowadays um, and, and for meeting planners in particular, do you think? I see it as just because planners are really the hub in that wheel for so many others. Sometimes it's hundreds or thousands of people and they might have just that one shot to make this impression like those high pressure physicians of you know, people who are public facing and I've got to have this figured out and I got to do this right now or else the consequences are real. And so all the more reason to ensure that you're grounded and rooted and solid and cared for and in a rhythm of that, not just, you know, your, your own wellness and well-being isn't like a light switch when you need it. It's with that logic. You're doing sit-ups the week before vacation. Like it's, just, it's something that's got to be nurtured all the time. So if as meeting planners know that there's high seasons, know there's busier times, you've just got to be in the habit of caring for yourself and creating those segues and those quiet opportunities to fill yourself up so that when you do show up at the event and you're on the floor and those days are really busy, people, I want you just to be asking yourself, you know, what do I want to be known for? And how does my presence make people feel? And how does my absence make them feel? And when I'm feeling stressed, how does it affect my attitude, behavior, and performance? And really just noticing all of that. Because planners really supervise many, many thankless tasks. And without the self-awareness, internal validation, or just the confidence, even if nobody says so, you've got to say, I'm doing a great job. And without that coming from us, we might never feel fulfilled in our work. And that's going to lead to resentment and dropping the ball and that tireless pursuit, like Dee said, uh, of that pat on the back. And just got to get in the habit of patting your own back. I think too, for me, what comes up is the creativity. Like how can we as events and meeting planners and people who are, you know, in the spotlight or behind the curtains running the show and orchestrating these meetings and events and these, um, you know, these beautiful situations for others, how can we design and create from a place of lack? Like if we ourselves are exhausted and we're burning the candle at both ends and we haven't made time for our own lives and our own needs and our own basic human needs, how are we going to be creating something and continuously creating and iterating and, and redesigning and reinventing, which is what is expected? How can we create from that place if that place doesn't exist because we're so internally, you know, there's so much internal turmoil or we're just, you know, exhausted. So I think that that's a big piece of it as well that comes up for me is like, how do you even begin? It's like that oxygen mask um, saying where it's like, mm -hmm. put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And the same is true when you're designing an event or running the event or even selling the event for the following years or months to come you always need to be filling up your own tank and you need to be stopping and making yourself aware of where you're coming from and how you're showing up. And I think all too often in this world, I think we think that we can just, you know, that saying fake it till you make it. It's like, I always used to say when I looked at myself in my past, when I was really running on empty and I've looked back at some of the video footage or, you know, some of the pictures of myself at that time, I looked older than I look now. I look exhausted. I have more hair, more makeup, more shoulder pads, more accessories and things on my, on my body in terms of jewelry and what have you to really mask how I was feeling on the inside, which was right. exhausted. So I think that's the first place to start is it all starts with you. It all starts with that individual. Right. Great point. So 
let's just get right to it. What are some of the best tips and tools um, do you think for achieving a healthy work-life balance, particularly coming from the perspective of a busy experience design lead, Deb and Nova, mindfulness facilitator, wellness expert, personal development coach? Um, I would say trying to be familiar with um, the practice, but the, before anything of, of the practice of mindfulness and meditation and knowing that it's a practice. So, you know, being gentle with yourself, I'd say is a great first place to start and knowing that even if this was out of practice or you weren't raised this way, there's no, there's no reason to beat yourself up anymore. If you're, if you're seeking new tools and solutions, then, then this is something that can really help. And you're probably doing a lot of this anyway. Like, you know, med meditation is just paying attention to one thing at a time. If it's the breath, if it's your silence, a chant, and it can be your movement too. It's running, gardening, in the shower. Chances are that you do something that makes your shoulders drop and you feel at ease every day. So it's, I really always say work what works. So I'd say really trying to explore the ideas of what meditation is and what it can look like. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, on the mountaintop with a shaved head and a saffron robe. Not at all. Like it's, this is something you can do anywhere. It's really just paying attention. And mindfulness is essentially noticing just non-judgmentally. I'm noticing my thoughts and feelings. I'm noticing my bodily sensations. I'm noticing my environment. So when I'm dialed in, I can be aware of those things. So I'm thinking of a meeting planner and she's running off her feet and she thinks, oh, I haven't eaten today. Well, no wonder I'm so snappy or I haven't paid attention to it, but I get really anxious in a big crowd or when I'm alone with my own thoughts and I, at the end of the day. So when I start paying attention to those things, not for right or for wrong, it just gives me the opportunity to make a new choice. So I would say really focus on one, prioritizing the self-care, starting to explore what mindfulness and meditation looks like. And I'd like to Dee's point, start creating a set schedule to work, work self-care into your life versus trying to work around it. So a good example of that is really taking advantage of your benefits, of your workplace benefits. The start of the year or the start of a month, just see what it is you allot and make all of those appointments and plot them out for the year. That way you're moving forward to a goal knowing, you know, I have a busy season in the summer and the winter. That's where you book those extra massage or the chiropractor or you get the new glasses like take advantage of the opportunities and benefits that you have. So many times those things are left to the end and it's in reaction to that physical and emotional and mental exhaustion that we're trying to, you know, band-aid solution it. And that's just not sustainable. So reprioritize the self, your self-care. It's the best gift you can give to other people is giving and showing up with a full tank and a full heart and full presence. And it takes a long time to get there but just keep practicing at it and make it a priority. And um, <clears throat> I love the word practice because one of my favorite yoga instructors, one of my gurus said to me um, or said to us in one of our classes, and it always stuck with me is it's called yoga practice, not yoga perfect, because it right. is a practice. And there's days that you're going to fall over and you're not going to be able to hold a pose. And there's days that you can barely make it in and just lie on your mat and, and maybe just breathe. So um, always remember, you know, to, to be gentle with yourself because these are practices and they don't need to be nailed and they don't need to be perfect. And if you, you know, if you have a day that doesn't, it doesn't work, start again the next day. But I would say with the point on prioritization is do it first. 
a lot of times, like I said earlier, we, we push that off of our schedule because other things get in the way and meetings run long, et cetera, et cetera. So when I really get into some tactical tips for this is put it first in your day, get up and do what makes you, you first. So even before you check your emails or your text messages in your phone, avoid that resistance and get yourself moving. Whether it's just doing some stretches in your hotel room or going for a walk or it's you know going down and taking a yoga class or a spin class or what have you depending on what you're you know what you're geared towards it's getting that out of the way first because then the rest of the day can unfold the way that it's going to i would say the other tip that i often give is book meetings where you're walking like go and walk outside with someone or if outside's not available walk the halls or the stairs of a, of a building like get up and move around our brain can work even faster when we're physically moving and it can also slow us down so in the physicalness of you know getting out and getting physical allows us to think differently you're getting up you're changing the scenery and at the same time you might be getting some exercise and some extra oxygen so if you really don't have time to carve out like a really long, delicious, juicy yoga class, book a couple of your meetings with colleagues or people that won't mind going for a walk around the block or out to a park or, you know, put your headset on and tell them like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to talk and and walk while we're having this conversation. The other thing is accountability partners. Like it's always good to do things, you know, get things done on your own. But it's even better when you have someone else, you know, depending on you or relying on you. So I often love to set up sweat dates and sweat up, set up um, going and doing active like activities with others so that I know that they're waiting for me. So it, I avoid the temptation to hit the snooze button. I'll get up and go because I know that someone's waiting to meet me to go to the spin class or to go to yoga after work. Um, another big one is, you know, eating during our lunch or sorry, eating at our desks and not taking a lunch break. Like we just no. will go right through. And I mean, that's so Never. bad on so many levels because what you're reading and what you're looking at, you're digesting as well. So it often can create a lot of problems with our digestive systems. And I won't get into a big long tangent on that right this moment. But if there is the ability, take your lunch, go sit outside, go sit in a different room. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at your computer. Have a conversation with someone else chew your food, think about what you're eating. Just take a moment, even if it's just 10 minutes, like 10 minutes, for goodness sake, to digest and nourish your body. Um, and if packing a lunch is something that's, you know, way too difficult, order a healthy lunch that can come to your office every single day. Invest in good nourishing food to fuel you. Don't leave eating till the end of the day and not eat and suffer through because your productivity and your output is just, it's all going to suffer. And in the end, you're going to be, again, chasing that elusive dragon of trying to get your health back and wonder why, you know, you have a whole new host of issues with your body and your health. Excellent tips. What about at work? What would be some, some strategies? You know, we, we always hear things like learn to delegate, um, establish set working hours and stick to them, that, that type of thing. Is there anything that either of you would recommend in, in the actual workplace? Well, I know that for me, when it comes to travel, um, and when it comes to travel and scheduling, um, I know that for myself, travel requires decompression. 
no matter how long or short the journey. And I just need to really arrive, get, just schedule myself the time to arrive where I am because I'm always thinking like, what do I want to be known for and who is showing up when I meet these people? So if I'm going from Toronto to Vancouver, there's jet lag and it'll have been a long day. I, I scheduled myself at least three hours, two hours uh, before I have to be anywhere and shake anyone's hand. And I just have like, perhaps um, I'll travel with things to make the journey comfortable. If it's Epsom salt bath or a nice tea for the coffee maker, just something comfortable. And I've got my notes and that can really help get me settled, especially on travel days. But day to day, let's say in the office and of the planning, I'm always focused on creating those schedules in the day just for those opportunities to check in. And I find that the best way to create a new habit is to bookend it on an old one. So what I like to do is my, I'll take five on a check-in and it's, it's, this is when I do it. When I wake, when I eat, when I work, and when I sleep. So before I do any of those things that I have to do anyway, that's a reminder for me to check in. And sometimes I'll have a reminder like the timer on my phone or I'll have something like an essential oil that I could rub on and then I have that olfactory sensory reminder of like, ah, oh, right, I just need two minutes to just to see where I'm at and going back to noticing, have I eaten today? Did I get a good sleep last night? Like, are these pants too tight? Whatever that looks like. And then how is it affecting me in my attitude, behavior, and performance? Just checking myself all the time and creating the opportunities to do that. So again, like Deb is saying, it's not about perfection. It doesn't even have to be every day. It's just being aware of it because the goal is, is to really know, have this embodied and integrated in your life. And that when you're not doing it, you notice right away, like, oh, I haven't gone to my practice. Or I haven't exercised or my eating is off. And again, not to judge yourself, but just to be att paying attention. So I'd also suggest to my, my planners just to be really dialed in on what happens on the days that work. You know, it's really easy to look at all the negatives and mess, mess ups on that, that didn't go well, but really to observe when you were feeling, you know, at a hundred, things are running smoothly. Everyone was a cohesive team working together. What went well that day and what did we all do? So carving up the time to have those debriefs on those walk and talks is really important as well. That way we're all being mindful and paying attention to it as it's happening. Another thing that I really love is um, when it comes to scheduling, because when, when we start talking about scheduling, I mean, meeting and event planners, especially are already so scheduled that sometimes I think my listening would shut off if someone kept saying scheduling, scheduling, but no matter what, it's something that's just so important. Um, it's also having like the wherewithal to walk into a meeting and say, okay, I have a hard stop at this time and sticking to it. Because I think we are so famous at, you know, arriving at a meeting and just diving into the work at hand. And then all of a sudden the meeting is, is finished, like in time wise, and you haven't actually accomplished or achieved anything. You've had nothing to check in and make sure everybody's like mentally plugged into the meeting and then next thing you know you have to have another meeting because you didn't accomplish anything and that's just piling up on your plate and adding even more stress so one of the tips for success that I'm noticing and it's something I've adopted in the last few years um, and it is a big cultural thing I've learned from Lululemon but I use it in all of my life now is at the beginning of a meeting checking in with everybody before you start the meeting how's everyone doing does anyone have anything that they need to clear does anyone um, have anything that they need to clear basically to be fully present for this meeting? And then be silent for a moment. 
let everybody think about that and then declare what time that meeting is finishing and stick to it. Even if it means you have to set a timer for a few minutes before, or you ask someone to time keep and stick to it and then schedule some time for yourself to go and pee, to go and have a glass of water, to take a few breaths and be able to wrap up what it is that you need to do for that meeting. Instead, I think the tendency is to go, 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 and just back to back to back to back. And so many times I'm talking to people on the phone or I'm, I'm standing with someone having a meeting and they're doing this pee pee dance because they've been holding it for hours coming to meetings. How is that person able to listen? And how is that even reasonable that somebody would feel that they have to do that in order to work and get through their day? That just doesn't seem right to me at all. And I think that that is something we need to shift and we need to take care of our basic human functions first and foremost. And we need to map out some time so that we're able to achieve it and don't be apologetic for it. You will be if you, you know, you have to have some bigger health endeavors brought into your life, um, aka like bladder problems, because you, you know, you did this pee pee dance all day instead of actually just saying, declaring that like, I have to stop five minutes early. I have a hard stop and walking out of the room. It teaches people to respect your time. You're respecting their time. You're keeping things on track. And believe me, it makes you much more effective and efficient in your meetings because you will land your points because you know you're on a time limit. Right. Great. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you both for the great insights on work-life balance. Much appreciated. And thank you all for joining us. Check out meetingstoday.com for more podcasts with industry experts. And we'll see you next time.